Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Cultural Studies Podcast. My name is Toby Miller, and my guest today is... Alan Tomlinson. I'm the Emeritus Professor of Legislative Studies at the University of Brighton, UK. Indeed, you are, old thing, but looking very good for it, if I may say so. And I can say, in all honesty to listeners, I've been a fan of Alan's work and been reading it for nearly 40 years and a friend for 25 years, perhaps? Yeah, over a quarter of a century, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's not, yeah. Really. and never a crossword, never a I, crossword. I think that's true, honestly. I'm, I'm, I'm very surprised at that because I've had a lot of crosswords with people. <laughs> there we are, not with you, Toby. You're a generous host already. <laughs> no, well, in, in all seriousness, uh, I was... Very excited recently to record podcasts with our friends Gary Wanell and Rick Cruneau, and it was wonderful to reminisce with them about their work and the sort of areas that they occupy in the world, which overlap some, some, in some ways with yours. But to begin with, let's talk about what's interesting you, dynamizing you, preoccupying you right now, Prof. Okay, well, what, what's interesting me at, at the moment is um, that, in some ways, a kind of stodginess of traditional academic writing and research. Now, I don't know whether I've got a great case to make on this, but um, <laughs> I, I, I do have, I do have a, a really difficult relationship with Scholar One or Taylor and Francis and so on. All, all, all of the submission processes for for, um, for, for production of um, of academic articles, peer-reviewed academic articles. So, so I'm, I'm making a little bit of a point about this because I, I think it becomes a new mode which is shaping a generation of academic writers uh, in, into writing in a way in, in certain kind of veiled um, and in, indirect kind of ways in their research because they're, they're, they're adopting certain kind of models and so on. And, and, and the submission process is so impersonal that you, you, I think I think you often feel that you're in touch with some some rather early innovative form of AI at the at the end of the um, at the end of the submission process and, and the responses that that you get and and, and the kind of box ticking uh, aspects to make life easier for reviews are, are really suggesting the reviewers uh, needn't spend much time on on reviewing these articles. So it seems to me that we, we've got such a drawn out process in academic life that um, I'm, I'm or, almost at the point of saying after completing a few articles in Journal of History of Sport, Annals of Leisure Research, um, here, there and elsewhere, and I'm, I'm with some young colleagues. And what, I'm, what I'm a little bit angry about about this mode of production is that I think it's a kind of holding up the critical, independent, analytical spirit of um, of the young of the younger generations in our kind of academic fields. So I'm getting that off my chest really quite early, Toby, on this. But it, it then become potentially a form of release. So I'm now quite interested in 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 keeping going with some of the most perhaps um, publicly impactful work that I've done on, on things like um, uh, the corruption at FIFA 
and, and the international IOC aspects and so on, and and, and um, the nature of those organisations. But but no, but writing not in particularly academic styles, because you may recall that some of my stuff, along with colleague John Sugden in earlier years, has, has, has been a, a bit more like what one re what one commentator calls gumshoe work, i.e. we're out there getting the material, getting the information, um, developing the questions in the field until until we move towards certain kind of explication or explanation. So, so I'm, I am planning to do a couple more pieces of, of work which won't be strictly speaking at all in, in the in the in the established academic mode. And in a way, now as emeritus professor, I've got the freedom to to go one way or another and and and, and make the kind of balance that suits me most. So that that's um, that's what's professionally um, preoccupying me at the moment. Uh, I, I'm I'm pretty depressed at the moment about uh, political results in the United States in. Um, in, in, in Iowa and, and, and in, in Hampshire, the New Hampshire, uh, and, uh, and and the, the rise of the, the rise of Trump, uh, re rise of Trump fills me with with deep 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 regret. And I begin to think that uh, in all the work that done in, in social science and critical critical analysis and cultural studies type work, it's it, that, that um, we're suddenly all going to be wiped out by this increasing population of. Of, of individuals and people who believe the likes of Trump. So, uh, but but in the UK, uh, there, there's some there are some nice little uh, middle of the road, uh, I think, signals and signs that, that at least will get rid of um, a certain a certain political group in, in, in the sphere of government. And, and and this year may have something to whoop slight slightly carefully on um, when, when political change comes in. I also, I also still get, <laughs> and perhaps with a little bit more time and choice and, and available at the moment, I still get a chance to watch Burnley Football Club in its yo-yo, its yo-yo um, presence at the moment in, in, in the top tier of, of, of professional English football. That was going to be my next question. The shift from playing out from the back to playing like a team fearing relegation. Do you welcome this shift halfway through the season? Um, well, is that, is that a little reference to, to, to Burnley's playing by you? Is that, <laughs> or, or are you talking about that as a metaphor of what I've just said about what, which directions I wanted to Well, it's in, I guess it could be both. It's a, it's a reference to the fact that Vincent Compagnie, the manager of Burnley, was being groomed to take over from Josep Guardiola at Manchester City and played with Burnley as if he were managing players of the calibre of Manchester City's and it wasn't working and now he's gone back to a more conventional style. But it might also relate to the way in which the expansive thinking that characterised the tradition at the University of Brighton in sociology and cultural studies of sport that you helped to build, along with lots of other critical formations, may have become, and I'm not here speaking about Brighton because i I don't know, but a lot of those sorts of critical formations have become a bit more careful, a bit more defensive, a bit less lively. And that relates to your first point about academic publishing. So I guess I meant it both literally, Alan, and um, metaphorically. 
Well, it worked very well, I think. Because, yeah, <laughs> Vincent Company is someone I, I I deeply admire. Yeah, but in 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 the in in the rough survival business of, of top um, professional football in, in the world now, um, you can't afford to wait too long, of seeing a certain kind of um, relatively naive implementation of a system failing. And then that, that's where I think Vincent could have moved earlier into, for instance, uh, if anybody's particularly interested in football listening to this podcast, uh, giving the team a spine, a reliable spine. You know? So this uh, is the sort of central line that runs goalkeeper, what we used to call centre-half, yeah. uh, midfield and uh, forward, centre-forward. Yeah. In, in England's 1966 win, it was... Um, it was Gordon Banks, Bobby Moore, uh, Bobby Charlton, and Jeff Hurst successfully in a way as a kind of spine. Yeah, a spine, spine in the centre. Which, which all big teams are actually at the highest level of football looking to to get those in play. And and in a way, I think uh, Bernie Vincent has left it a little bit too long, uh, mm. and, and now trying to fill things up in a way in a rather less. Um, innovative sort of formation of the side. And when we keep losing now, not quite badly, but 1-0 and 2-1, is not going to help us at the moment. But that. I will be there in all the London matches and several of the Burnley ones, uh, loyally, loyally seeing how, how we can go. Uh, but, but in terms of the analogy that you actually touched upon, it's, it's, it's very interesting about, you know, um, about styles, formations, critical contexts in which which work can be can be accomplished, and um, and, and that's what I think is happening across across the university sectors in our in, in our fields quite widely. You know, I just happen to be from Brian, but um, the, the the stories that I, I hear in, in other institutions about what what is essentially going to be um, a, a very different kind of a managerial regime of academic labourers uh, it is not filling with me with massive optimism for the future. But I've just got to avoid being a dull-sounding um, <laughs> old geezer. And like you said, we might have a conversation here like two old geezers. So we've got to, we've got to be careful not to sound like um, overindulged surviving old geezers at the moment um, because things aren't quite like how we were doing them. That is certainly a risk, if not a certainty. So I do take your point. It's a it's a useful warning. But one of the things that feeds into considering those questions is that you have a long history, both as an, a writer of scholarly books and public intellectual books, but also as an author of scholarly articles and an editor of both scholarly books and scholarly articles. So you were in the middle of how this operated in, in certain ways. So you, this is not to say you're complicit with what's happening now. It's to say that this can be regarded as two old geezers or it can be regarded as a voice of experience talking about what happens when certain formations are destabilised. Yeah? Yeah, I... I... I think I think that's 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 true. If you if you look at um, edited volumes and um, co-written volumes and, and, and 
uh, and a range of things. I, I always I always did believe in academic journals. I must also add, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that we shouldn't have them in the field at all. Um, but but in a certain sort of way, I think some of us just got a little bit lucky, you know, serendipity decaying your way, jobs were available and openings were possible. And, and, and also in the in the development of, of, of certain fields of study, especially particularly interdisciplinary fields of study, um, such as sport, which is what gradually I, I got I got into, the the, um, the 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 openings became terrific. I mean, I first met, I heard about you, Toby, quite a lot about you before I met you. But I, I think initially, I, I was in contact with you and met you. I think when I started writing for a journal, you were editing a couple of pieces, and and then in, I've probably done I don't know seven seven or eight special issues of journals as well. Um, with, with young colleagues or contemporary colleagues, opening up the field. And, and if, you, if you're in a, an area of study where you have a chance to say, hey, we've got X over here, which may, may be you know, some, some good work going on, but, but but a lot of rather dull and revealing work also going on. And, 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 and uh, be, be over here, you've got, you've got the potential to to, um, to to develop collaborative work with people and new generations of students and so on with 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 ways of bringing a, a great range of cross disciplinary conceptual models and theories into the field, then then I think you, retrospectively now it's uh, it's 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 incontestably accurate to, to say that some of us got lucky in in, in a sense that we could be the be shapers to a certain extent of that field. I mean, very and and, and it's and it is peculiar. You know, I, I just thought I'd look up a couple of a couple of special things before this conversation with you about about my um about a man in sociology, John B. Thompson, who was a Cambridge professor, and and. Uh, who wrote a hell of a lot, in, especially your media communication and, and so on, um, on, on, you know, on for, for a pithy account of what I think is one of his major con- contributions, which is the, um, the the development and presentation of a model of the depth hermeneutic. Yeah, and, and so I, I just thought I just threw it online for John Thompson, depth hermeneutic, because I'm, I'm talking to you from a a rather nice rural <laughs> cabin in France. So I don't have all my library around me. And, and, and what came up was my entry in the Oxford <laughs> Dictionary of Sports Studies <laughs> on on, on um, John and then the, summarising that that bit of, of John. So so I, I and, and I, again I think you 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 get opportunities at times that may pass you by because of work demands or or family situations or personal crises, but I think I've been quite lucky to have had quite a lot of those opportunities where people really said, "Okay, Alan, we'd love you if you did this." So so um, that probably accounts for the wide range and the cumulative stuff that um, has had my name on it. Right, and some of that also is about the fact that the field was smaller and less yes. specialised. Yes. Now, and here's a point for a question to you about what I'll broadly call sociology of sport, what we could call it sports studies or cultural studies of sport, whatever. To my way of thinking, about 30 years ago, yeah. 
you made a strong intervention on that score about the importance of thinking about things like hegemony theory per Antonio Gramsci and others versus the more functionalist history that mm. and theory that animated a lot of US sociology and history of sport. So put crudely, one could say some decades ago, there was this good old boy, conventional US-dominated model of functionalism, which also applied in Britain, versus a more critical spirit that animated writers like you. This is just my version. Does that seem like a reasonable bifurcation to you? And what do you think is the state of play now? Uh, I think it's, it seems like a, a good account, an appropriate and reasonable account. And, and, and that's, that's what allowed some of us to do some of those, say, special issues in journals, like doctor, journals in the... There weren't a lot of journals in the sociology of sport, were there, back in the 70s and early 70s? Um, but, but just a bit later, in the 70s and 80s, you know, the, 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 ed, the people editing those journals, I think... Uh, had a, a broader view than some of what you might call those people rooted in a, a rigorous and interesting form of, 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 of um, studies such as and theory such as functionalism. So, so that some, some, um, something like the, the British Cultural Studies was a title I gave to, to one of the special issues of the Sociology Sport Journal in the States. Um, we, again, it's a bit what I was saying earlier about having such opportunities to, to allow to allow these kinds of studies to be brought together. So, and and um, I, I, I think that this was really, really important. I mean, it was it's happening as well, you know, across some key areas like gender studies, race studies and so on, to, to just open up the whole field. So whatever good books, which might be, that existed on functionalism and the role of sport in, in particular kind of structural situations and societies mm -hmm. and all the formal language of say functionalist studies and so on uh, could could be could be um, superseded. I don't want to say it completely broke, not but you know superseded by these these directions that you could take that could could bring more. More, more, more material, good arguments for, for more material into into the the, the the broad field of what you were saying uh, carried a few labels like sociology, sports, sports sociology, um, or, or um, sports studies. So, so I, 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 I yeah, I, I, I think in in many respects uh, you have to see these things as incremental. It's not, you know, in, ma in many respects, this was to use a pretty old cliche. So, apologies for for, for dull, still dull uh, terminology at times. But being a step across these bridges, build these bridges and cross them, and and uh, and, actu and, and actually bring bring the, the critical study and you know, not unthought through stuff like not 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 really. Um, uh, not sloppy, but 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 careless thinking about the nature of sport. Really deep readings of sport, which is where cultural studies truly comes in in loads and loads of ways. But deep, deep readings of sport, and the way that you have deep readings of texts and so on, whatever across the media field that you're so particularly um, embedded in, 
th 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 these were important things that, that have not gone away. They've got, they've got, in a certain way, th th that these fields have got richer still in, in, in what you might call the, um, uh, the application as appropriate of, of key conceptual debates and so on uh, for, from other, other, other fields and disciplines. So, so I, I do see critical sports studies uh, as a, a pretty br broad um, interdisciplinary and uh, some people call it transdisciplinary, don't they? A bit vague, some of our terms for, for, for um, the, the disciplines. Uh, a re really broad field of, of, of great value. And moving on to look at a couple of the organisations that you briefly mentioned earlier and that I think are important. The International Olympic Committee, uh, which should be called the International Oligarchs Committee, and the Fédération, without doubt, without doubt, yeah. and the Fédération Internationale de Football Association, oh. FIFA, you've written both academic and, in, in inverted commas, popular or trade works on these organisations. You've doorstepped the bastards who run them for decades. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Propped up bars, picking up diplomatic gossip uh, in your infallible note taking way and you've really seen how they function both at the level of ethnographic experience of world cups of men's football and summer olympics but also an understanding of how these organizations operate their shadowy lives which were really kept secret from most of us until you exposed them have now become public disgraces over the last decade or so, in part thanks to the United States government and yep. to FIFA. So I wonder if you could take us back, back, back to what got you interested in the International Oligarchy Committee and FIFA and what you see that's changed in the decades you've been working on. Yeah. Oh, what got me interested was, I suppose you see it on a, on a couple of a couple of levels, but... Um, yeah, but, but take FIFA. Then I'll come to the IOC a bit. But but take FIFA. Um, but back in in the early nineteen eighties, when Gary Wanell and I were doing a couple of books on the Olympics and on football, little um, little books of, of uh, an accessibly affordable paperback. <laughs> yeah, um, the Pluto Press. Uh, yeah, I, I I wrote I wrote a chapter there on the history of FIFA, and, and hardly, there's hardly anything to report in terms of the basis of, of, of research on this. So so again, it was one of those open open doors and some opportunity. But but also, you know, I'm a bit of a sports enthusiast as well. You know, and I've played a lot of football and, and um, watched a lot of football. So so. Um, it was it was it was just available to, to be thought about and looked at. So so uh, walk, walking in to do scholarship towards the, those kind of agencies and that that particular kind of uh, institution was was um, probably a, 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 for, for the FIFA case. You know, for, it, it was it was it was an unmissable opportunity. Uh, but, uh, no, it was also important because, because we were on the 
the purge, more broadly speaking, in, in social science theory and so on, and observations of the world and political science, you know, of, of, of globalization. You know, so <laughs> what were these international agencies? How were they peopled? You know, who the hell was it? What you called the, 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 the elusive bastards or something <laughs> in them and running them? And where did they come from? And and, and also, what's always intrigued me. Uh, Long term on this, but for IOC um, as well as FIFA, is and how have they got away with it in their in their general mission statements? Yeah. And so in, in the kind of hypocritical cases that are made about their do-gooding and, and their idea, their idealism, and it isn't it isn't to say that everybody. Is, is is involved in this, but but we know we, we then got to know more and more about about the levels of dodginess, the levels of collusion, which collusion can so easily become corruption, and corruption is right on the heart of the third C. Um, this might be a CCC line of mine in one of my forthcoming books, but yeah, of criminality. So collusion to corruption to criminality, and to to see that occur to hear it um it it, it, it can be quite shocking and, and, and it's important that people know about it because of what people do believe about the, the, those sides of, of sport whether it's on the track in the olympics or on the football fields and in fifa that that, that, that millions of people um feel deeply about mm. so 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 getting to know those who were ruling the stuff across the top, you know, I, I think was absolutely important because you know it, it, critical social science and, and critical cultural analysis going to do anything. It, 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 it ought to be revealing and then potentially um, getting itself involved in forms of of um, intervention and action, which is a real problem, Toby, because we can find certain ways, we can see, and, and, and there are people, IGN, there are people who would run journals like the Inquisitor um, in, in Germany and and, and um, still, still are really at the heart of a kind of investigative journalism, which, which is pitched at um, look, looking at the these aspects of, of the overall sporting picture. So it's, it's very important to do this. Now, the problem is that, quite simply, you mentioned uh, the, the huge interventions of, of, the, of the, the, the great partnership of, of um, England Revenue Service, FBI and, and uh, Attorney General in, in the United States and those revelations. But, but it's very interesting that... Um, People who were doing that work and achieved it, you know, from inside, you know, some of the, those people have said to me that you can never stop those organisations from being like that. All you can do is, as soon as the, the, the criminality emerges, you can go after them. Now, that's that's a pragmatic statement, a summary of a pragmatic statement by someone who, who I've spoken to about that. So, so what, what, what that is saying is that actually these things haven't changed that much at all. <laughs> despite what we've caught, despite the, 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 
this scale of, of, of the coverage of, across the world of the FIFA case. And it was a bit like that, wasn't it, back in the very end of the 1990s when it was the IOC and the revelations of, of um, all the bribe-taking and so on. So what do you do next? I, I think I think we have to move... Well, certain, there's some really great scholars in this field too but, uh, that I'm going to mention now, but I think we have to move more systematically into understanding how these... Op- these organisations um, or oligarchical bodies, as you prefer to call them, um, how they make this happen. And I think that's into the sphere of legal legal theory and legal studies. So I, I really think that's about unpicking what the hell the relationship is between external sports law and internal sports law and seeing how they've managed certain situations, these organisations have managed certain situations, and, in, uh, and got, they've got the help of, of um, utterly, utterly, I think, compliant authoritative bodies such as the Swiss state. We've got to get into those debates to see how, in a way, there might be way, there might be some means of... Are questioning what these organisations could do more more acceptably in terms of the classic themes of transparency and um, and, and integrity and so on. And this relates to Laura Nader's uh, request that anthropologists study up, not down, in inverted commas, that she made 50 years ago. But let me give you a capsule history of FIFA in which I mount a certain defence of a change in collusion and see what you think of it. If we go back to when England won the World Cup, first of all, it was laughable and still is that countries that are not sovereign states get so many votes in FIFA, namely England, Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales. Secondly, Only one place was allocated to Africa in the so-called Men's World Cup finals of 1966, and there was a boycott. Thirdly, football was run, as was the IOC, by unmitigated racists, some of whom were actually Hitlerian. I'm thinking here of the IOC. And the new regime that came into play from the mid-70s in FIFA whilst operating on a shadowy, problematic basis, did include voices from the global south as never before. And money has gone to parts of the global south, albeit to oligarchs, in the decades since as never before. Is that not some sort of achievement, or is it all so corrupt that my capsule history is far too sanguine and Pollyanna-ish? No, it's, it's certainly some. Yeah, it is some some kind of achievement. The um, the the name I think in, in FIFA, Yao Havelland, has, has to be met. You know, has to be reckoned with. Uh, with this arms dealer background <laughs> and a lot of other business interests across Brazil. Um, but but he had a very clear mission. You know, I, I, sp- I spoke to him and I wrote to him and. Um, one of the most arrogant human beings I've ever encountered, but also one of the most effective um, operators in in the field. But 
particularly after 1974 kind of move there and we could see summer ranch and the olympics you know this is where andrew jennings and 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 um and his, and his writer in in, in, the, in the first big book that was brilliantly written on um uh, lords of the rings were, really really sh- sh- shows the the the, the, uh, the profile of of people in the global south coming in and, and actually certainly the important thing is expanding the game to the world i mean this is part of the rhetoric that yanni infantino still uses it's how he's saying oh it's now right for saudi arabia to, um <laughs> following the Qatar model uh to, to 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 have a men's world cup in a couple of times and goes uh, so so there there is there is the the positive side of opening up you know, African teams. It was, it was scandalous in 1966. And that's, that's why some brilliantly um, adept kind of campaigning but by, by, um, but, but by African, African football administrators uh, was successful in, 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 in creating that boycott in 66. Um, and, and, and believe it or not, some people might think I've got a soft spot for Sir Stanley Rouse, the, um, the, 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 the boss of FIFA for a dozen years from the 60s to the mid, uh, early mid-70s. But Stan, Stanley Rouse was actually very supportive of expansion you know, in the Gulf, in, 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 in Asia, in, in, in the South Americas as well. Uh, he had a massive problem with his, his views on... on, on um, on the, the, the South African football and so on, but the the, the opening up was was really vital, and of course it it, it, it opened up at that time of uh, media development, the the um, and and a huge interest that's starting in Europe initially, I think a huge interest in in global forms of, of sports sponsorship. So that that sponsorship model. It, it, uh, along with along with the, um, the the media rights and the value of those media rights, which have escalated in, in both these spheres, all these spheres for football and and the IOC and the, in recent years, uh, established a, a new model that that could be more inclusive. But at the same time, on, on the top of that inclusivity, you know. There are new Lords of the Rings. In my book with John, Sugden, Badfellas, Fever, Family at Large. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually thinking of writing something. Sorry, Badfellas, Fever, Family at War. Um, I, I'm thinking of writing a book now called called, uh, called Badfellas at Large. Fever's so you know unwanted legacy. Because th- 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 there are a lot of tales of people who, who um, uh, in, in, in all in all in all football <laughs> football bodies uh, have been somewhere along that line of CCC. <laughs> I guess part of the problem is that 
in some cases, and maybe bladder is one of these, it's not necessarily or just or even financial corruption. It's the corruption of power, isn't it? It's the desire and drive. It seems as though he may not have been personally corrupt in the sense of unwanted, unwarranted financial gains. We may never know. But he was certainly problematic in terms of his operation of power within the FIFA dome, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. Um, and at certain points, he began himself to, to plot against Havelines because Havelines lived in Brazil and so on. So, so the general secretary, <laughs> Set, Set Blatter, uh, who, whose real idol was, um, was, was, um, a European, a European um, sports marketing guru, and and uh, he he got all his networks worked through through that. Blackter was very very uh, very clever and and in, in the way that he balanced different interests against the other. And at one point, he did, almost, almost directly challenged Havelines for the presidency, but, but drew back from that and, and took it in, again in, instead in, in 1998. It was Horst Dassler who, who, who was the man who really gave him all the links, you know, and the Adidas thing, all, all of that kind of network of stuff. And, and, and he, he was extraordinarily effective. He could... Blatter could look and sound so clownish at times, but there was something going on in his head when he had the, that position of power. And, and people would defer to him. Yeah, and then, then what classically happens is that um, there's a sort of codependency develops there, Toby, a really big codependency at times between the, the, the one with the power at the top and, 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 and the people... Who, who are allowing them to stay in power and so on. Um, so it's, you know, it's a funny thing, this, because it's like that, that idea of regulatory capture in organisations and so on. They're capturing each other. It's quite quite intriguing. So power is absolutely vital. And, and it's also, there's also an abuse of power uh, in, in something like FIFA and, and the ISC, I think, because... because um, the, the the presidents there are grabbing power as as opposed to representing the organisation through its its internal structures. So they, they um, so so rather than actually adopt presidential roles that that did exist earlier in in, in some of those organisations, now they 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 in a way they they just rule. One to one, and then at the moment, they, they, this can be done in a sort of performative style, represented in in how Yanni Infantino uh, speaks solely, perhaps with a stooge on one side or a little bit behind him. He speaks solely in in in, in, a, in a in a Zoom type presentation to the world to announce all sorts of. Uh, all, all sorts of achievements by, by the contemporary FIFA, you know, best World Cup final ever, best this, best that, and and and, um, and, and all of the time, uh, he says yes, and there's been consultation with with, with this one of the federations there, international confederations there, there, uh, yeah, they all agree with this. I don't think there's a, a trace of documentation on any consultation whatsoever. 
it's it's actually uh, it's the classic back you know backroom deals in very posh uh, seclusive looking um, back rooms. But these are stories of power, and so it's contesting power in a certain sort of way in the name of of, of the, the broader values and principles that the organisations purport to represent. That that that's that's the big task, I think, Toby. Beautifully put, Prof. Only a boy from Burnley could walk into these posh hotels and look around for where the cigar smoke was seeping out, probably illegally from under doors, and then realising. That's where the dudes are making up their minds about stuff. So, Prof, a couple of questions to conclude my part of this, and then I'd like to throw it to you to add whatever you wish to what we've discussed. Yeah? Yeah. Great. So my first question is this. I'm a 24-year-old graduate student. I've just enrolled in a PhD at wherever, and I find your farmhouse in southern France and I knock on the door and I say, Dear Prof T, here's a case of wine. Here's some lovely cheese. Tell me how I should go about my research into critical sports studies. What do you say to this person apart from thank you and come in? Oh, well, um I don't know whether I'd be able to accept such proffered gifts <laughs> uh, from uh, however however old this person is. That that's a really good question because in in our academic fields and subfields uh, there have been seriously and, and I'm really pleased to see how far this has gone uh, well expanded areas and, and good generations of interested new scholars so, 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 how, so how, how, how do you do it um it, it it's a bit it's there's a lot of material now I mean you know it's 19. 72 since I was that, well, 22-year-old, not 24-year-old, at Sussex in graduate school at Sussex University, you know, and what, and, and if I'd have knocked on the door or something, something like that, they'd have said, well, you sit down and read read this book by George Lukacs. You read this book by, by um, Lucian Goldman. Now, I don't know how many of my 20-odd-year-old graduate students have ever heard those two names before. Yeah. Probably heard Theodore Adorno. But, but they, they, they were these key books. We had books and we had close-up discussions about books. And, and there was that, what I've gone on about, is these these available fields that you can get into. So we had the, the, those openings that you could put, push through. Now, honestly, um, I, I'd, I'd, you know, you'd have to say, well, I think you need a, a topic, really. <laughs> I mean, what, what I think is more important, than, than, than say bodies of theory, bodies of X, bodies is is uh, what the French from my little French rural farmhouse, I might well say that see as um grand problematique. Give us give us a problematic. You know, what is what is an issue that you'd like to study? And so I, I'd say you know and, and it can be because there's a lot of sports in the IOC, and a lot of sports, isn't there? A lot of events I mean, in the Olympic Games and the, and the IOC is responsible for. Uh, yeah, and, and if you find a story in, in, in a particular topic area, 
you've got you've got for instance you've got a thesis if you then start drawing in you then start thinking, what ideas do we need here and 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 there may there may be ideas from these different fields or the conceptual toolboxes of cultural studies some of the big theory aspects of, of, of sociological or political science and so on and, and um and, and and so it's 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 not as if we've got what you might call masters or mistresses of the of the fields reading list for these people. I, th I think it's it's a matter of defining um, what what they want to do. I mean, some people might just want to sit, you know, if, if they find a certain topic, they might just want to sit in the library for three years and write an absolutely brilliant uh, theoretical text which could further shape debate about the stuff that they're looking at, the topic that they're looking at, mm. because there's a lot of material around. There's a, there's a hell of a lot to juggle nowadays in, in our in, in, in the the world of um, texts. I could never say texts that smoothly, so I made the big M's. The importance of texts. <laughs> so I do something like that and then say, can I open the wine? <laughs> so my last question, Alan, before throwing it over to you, is to ask you about, you mentioned a couple of books you're working on or may work on or that are coming out. Could you tell us a, a bit about what's in your future, the sorts of writing that you're doing and planning to do? Yeah, well, I still I still write little pieces, two, two or three a year, but when Saturday comes... Mm -hmm. so kind of uh, things. Well, I've, I've written things that are maybe a bit on Burnley as well as things that are, are on FIFA issues and and the World Cup. And when Saturday comes, is a UK based UK based critical magazine. Yeah, yeah, which covers roots football across Britain, really interestingly, and and a lot of issues and. Um, the, the 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 broad field, not just top elite football, and and it's it's the oldest, you know, um, it's the oldest essentially fanzine. It started as a fanzine type production, and 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 it's survived very well with 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 a lovely editorial team. So I still do pieces like that for them, um, and what what I what I'd like to do in in one of those books that I've mentioned that is that there. Um, there are, it's. It, I'm. I'm just talking. I'm con concluding talk with an editor. I hope it's concluding talk about about getting getting that approved. It's, it's a shorter book, it, which will will be academically framed in a way, but it will it will be like we talked about in the version. It'll be it'll be written um, for, for a broader audience, the keen interesting interested sports audience that doesn't want all the full jargon of. Of, of um, sociological theory plunged in, in his or her face or ears, so that and and, that, and then if if I do do an, a one after that, which would be a bigger book, um, it, it would be I touched on it earlier that 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 would be just examining what the, what the, what the state of things is um, in in, um, in across the football world. Possibly with some connections to to Olympics, because you know there's quite a lot of IOC members that overlap with 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 their FIFA positions and stuff like that, and and just see who these people are and write a little bit about that. Uh, but what 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 I don't want to do is is say that you know football's finished, um, 
I don't want to. I don't want to, I, I don't want to say pull the IOC house down. Perhaps pull the FIFA house down because it's a really ridiculous James Bond type hideaway place. And, Well, thank you so much, Prof. I'm sure they'll be relieved to know that they have a future at the International Oligarchy Committee that you've just granted them. But in all seriousness, that's that's great work, and I think it's wonderful that you're going to keep producing it. Is there something you'd like to add to or subtract from what we've mentioned so far? Well, not a lot. You put you had your podcast with, with Rick Grunow, who I had lunch with at Tate Modern on last Friday. Oh. <laughs> and we talked about things and went with his wife Shelley because I mean like that. And and um and, and, and Rick Rick is Rick is a great, great writer big intervention and mm. um, mm. with his books. Uh, and, and you've heard from Gary and so on. So so um but what what I would say is don't worry about being an over specialist. In, in, in one thing or one topic. I think this is where the, the, the interdisciplinary, cross-disciplinary, transdisciplinary, all the rest potentials feels like cultural studies that applied to sport can, can be can be taken. Don't do that. And and and, and you know, and, and to a certain extent, a lot of my work is cultural historical, whether it's about strange sports in Lancashire communities. Yeah, um we'll get into detail on that now. <laughs> Uh, or, 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 or it's about the life of Stanley Rouse and the growth of, of, of world football. And so, just, just, just look at times as well for that, for things that some people might say, "Oh, well, that's dead now." You know, Anthony Giddens isn't relevant anymore. That's what quite a lot of people think Anthony Giddens isn't relevant anymore. Um, I, I think he's got some, some of his works are absolutely critical to the continuing debates about the relationship between structure and agency. Some younger scholars actually believe in Britain that that uh, the uh, relational sociology can d- displace as much of what Giddens was offering in his theoretical material. I just see it as something that complements his, his his framework and so on. So so see what we've got in the past. You know the. The work of Ferdinand Brodel with the Annals School in France was it's, it's pivotal to think about how events have been events, but uh, then in the long durée, something happens and suddenly you're at a conjunctural moment where events may or may not be changing things, but the thing the events are about are actually having effects and changes, social and political kinds of changes that are really important. So keep your eyes open conceptually and so on and don't get too locked up in in in, in one let's um one exclusive paradigm beautifully put so professor alan tomlinson thank you so much for this wonderful conversation thank you toby it's great talking to you <laughs>